It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. This truth is so well fixed in the minds of the surrounding families that he is considered the rightful property of someone or other of their daughters. Perfect. That was so unbelievably better than the first one, I have to say. (laughs) The biggest glow up. Biggest glow up. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to the Fire the Cannon podcast. Get out of here, John Oliver. <laughs> Nobody invited you. Does he say that? He says, welcome, welcome, yes, welcome. Yes, he does. He says, welcome, welcome, welcome to Lost Week tonight. That's exactly what he says. I had no idea. How did you not know that? I've said welcome sometimes. It's not that famous. Yeah, I've said welcome multiple times. No, I swear you were doing that on purpose. I was. I didn't even know he does that. And also, it's just a word. I just said it three times. I'm going to show you. So if I say hello, 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 is that who am I quoting? What about location, location, location? Yeah. <laughs> Jackie, just because an English person has said it before doesn't mean that I'm copying them. It's a very well-known... If I had said, welcome, welcome, welcome to last week tonight, sure. Okay, I'm probably <laughs> referencing John Oliver. Okay, you just probably. said it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm John Oliver. <laughs> you just said it so emphatically. It had to be I wanted case. to welcome people. Now I don't anymore. <laughs> he ruined my mood. <laughs> wow. <I'm> sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay, whatever. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> well, let's just quit. <laughs> I should just release that as a single episode. And we just say, let's all just right, quit. let's just try again. <laughs> and then there's another episode after that. Uh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Ever wondered what our process is like? Here you go. <laughs> Here's the raw material. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, Rachel. Go ahead. Ugh, okay. Get back in the zone and do not say welcome, welcome, welcome. I know. If I say it thrice... No dice. He appears. <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to a podcast. Oh, good. She only said two. <laughs> welcome to a podcast. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it going? Welcome to Fire the Cannon, the podcast where we read the books in the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. Our opinions are objective, especially this week. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel. I'm the other of your hosts, Jackie. And I am the producer, Theo. Otherwise known as an unforgivable deed. In keeping with our (laughs) usual theme, we have all chosen Zoom names affiliated with this book. Theo hasn't read the book. He just makes a wild guess. He thinks there's an unforgivable deed. I mean, if it's a love story of some kind, right? There has to be some unforgivable deed that I guess then gets forgiven. Gets forgiven. (laughs) (laughs) Change it to a forgivable deed. Okay, I'll change my name. A barely forgivable deed. I'll just say I'm a seemingly unforgivable deed, okay? Nice. Oh, he changed it. That's good. Okay, Okay, I am a single man in possession of a good fortune. I am a conceited, pompous, narrow-minded, silly man. Nice. Okay. Whew. We made it past the John Oliver stage of every podcast. I think that was hilarious, (laughs) and I think our listeners will agree. And if that's not in the final cut, I'm out. Ugh. Whatever. Okay. So, we are doing a little February special for everyone, which is that we're going to cover one of the most popular, most best beloved books in the English language, Pride and Prejudice, by Jane Austen. But will it be regarded as such by the time we're through with it? If it gets the fire, the cannon treatment, who knows? Yes. Okay. And we will be covering chapters 1 through 21 in this first episode. Spoilers. Spoilers. I know. But it's going to be in the description anyway, so it's fine. As long as they read descriptions, they would have already been spoiled. We're going to spoil you guys. So Jane Austen, this was actually the first book that she wrote. It was originally called First Impressions, but she it, it's actually her second published book. The first one that was published was Sense and Sensibility, and then she revised this one and renamed it Pride and Prejudice, which was probably to capitalize on the popularity of Sense and Sensibility. So the first one, she was credited as a lady for Pride and Prejudice. Her name was given as, like, by the author of Sense and Sensibility. Oh, wow. Oh, it was literally a lady? Like, it wasn't a royal title? Yeah, it was Sense and Sensibility by a lady. (laughs) I'm sold. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Were there lots of books published by a lady? There weren't tons, but it was like uh, she was from, you know, a more genteel family and her being a writer would have been a little bit people would have looked at it askance, I guess, so she didn't give her real name. It wasn't a huge secret, though. Well, she can't have been the only one, because then it would have said the lady. By the lady. Is that about that Mario thing? I'm glad I don't understand what you're talking about. Go on. Let's, <laughs> let's hear about the Mario thing. <laughs> There's some meme thing going around, or like a Tumblr post that got screenshotted where they're like, why does he always say, it's a me, Mario? And they're like, it's because he's one of many Marios. Like, he dies and there's a new Ooh. Mario clone. So there's no... Mario. Otherwise, it would be, it's the me? No, it would have been, it's me, Mario. But he says, it's a me, Mario. Oh. It's the me, Uh-oh. Mario. <laughs> it's the me, the Mario. <laughs> Feemy, like Feewee. Wow. You know, Mario's popular. That'll be good for our SEO stuff. Why do you think she chose to say a lady instead of coming up with a pen name? Um, I think she wanted... People to know that she was a woman, I guess. I don't know. Do you think anybody would have believed this book was written by a man? Oh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, there were probably people at the time who were like, oh, surely a man wrote this. It's so funny. Oh, that's unfortunate. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know if I haven't really seen anything that says why she did that as opposed to coming up with a pen name. I don't know. I think it's not super kind to men. It's just incisive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't think it's particularly kind towards any foible. Anyway, Jane Austen never married. She wrote six books in her lifetime. She ended up dying quite young. I think she was in her mid-40s. Do you think if she had just made it to her seventh book, somebody would have wanted to marry her? Some <laughs> people did want to marry her at a, in her youth. I think I like that one. Uh, yeah, no, she had some, like, romantic interests, but they just never worked out. Uh, she was very popular. She didn't publish under her own name, but I don't think it was, like, a huge, huge, huge secret by the time more of her books had come out. Like, I think people kind of knew, but mm-hmm. the book's always been well received if we were to release this podcast under a pen name or some other or a generic name like three people or something what would be the best (laughs) one let's not do three people three chill bros three chill bros bros. all right that's believable (laughs) that that's a description of us yeah okay john oliver and his two best friends (laughs) i wish you guys were john oliver's best friends He'd probably promote our podcast. I wish you were John Oliver so you would promote our podcast. (laughs) If I was John Oliver, I wouldn't be on this podcast. Oh, okay. Well, he was thinking about it and now you just snatched it away. (laughs) No, he's too busy. (laughs) The thing is, so novels, the way that we look at them now, they owe so much to Jane Austen. She came up with something or... Okay. She very much helped popularize something which is called free indirect speech which is the style of narration that she uses in Pride and Prejudice, which is where the narrator um, it is in third person, but it uses some of the characteristics of first person. So you get the character of Elizabeth Bennet in the third person narration. So she's not directly saying it to us, but we enter a little bit into her mind through the narration anyway. I never would have thought that that was an invention because it just seems so pervasive. It's a huge deal. Yeah. When you read this book, it does, it still feels pretty contemporary to me. And that's partially because she, people are still just doing the things that she innovated. She's a great student of human character. She definitely is. She just sees everything. I would be a little nervous to be around her, I have to say. Yeah, I'm glad she's dead because... Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Anytime you think to say that sentence, don't say it. (laughs) She's held back so many times, Theo. She just had to let it out this morning. Yeah, that time I just couldn't. It's almost never a good look for something you're putting out for public consumption. <laughs> I'm glad she's dead. It's clearly a joke. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, maybe she was about to like reveal someone's secret and they were like, Jane Austen, she's gotta go. Is that what happened? No. Maybe. <laughs> maybe it was just someone who wanted to kill a lady. And like, <laughs> this is the only <laughs> one. She had some sort of wasting disease, which they didn't know exactly what it was at the time. It says that most people believe her cause of death was Addison's disease, but her final illness could also have been a result of Hodgkin's lymphoma. But we don't know for sure. Okay, 
I should probably introduce the cast of characters first, right? There's kind of a lot. Yeah, I was thinking it would be good to, like, introduce the characters and say kind of, like, what their overall, like, flaw or vibe is. Yeah. <laughs> flaw or vibe. <laughs> we'll start with the Bennett family. Okay. So, Mr. Bennett, the father, he's a little bit distant. He is actually rather disdainful of almost all of his kids and definitely his wife. He's very sarcastic and he, like, mocks everyone but he does care about his family. He's very dry. Mrs. Bennett is, in her youth, she was very beautiful. And the husband and wife got married purely because of attraction. And that's it. And she's very silly and only cares about, like, her daughter's looks and getting them married off. Which sucks for the kids, but it makes sense in that society. Because, unfortunately... The Bennett family estate is entailed away from the daughters. Like, the only one who inherits it is the closest male relative. So after the father dies, the daughters will have, like, hardly any money at all. Mrs. Bennett is always talking about her nerves. She's she's a very... Her poor nerves. Her poor nerves, yeah. Everything's causing nervous trouble for her. Uh, so then they have five daughters. The oldest one is Jane. She's the most beautiful. She's got the best, like personality of all very sweet natured her only flaw is like she doesn't see the bad in people laughing at? i just love that like jane austen is writing and writing about this beautiful character yeah what should i name her what should i name her <laughs> maybe that's why she was a lady because she didn't want people to be like hmm <laughs> oh, yeah Jane has a very sunny disposition. She's very sensitive and she always wants to see the best in people. She's optimistic. Yes. And then the main character is Elizabeth or Lizzie, which is what I'm going to call her mostly. She is the second most beautiful. And second oldest. And second oldest. She's definitely the smartest and she's very clever. Like she always has something funny to say. She's similar to her dad, but I would say nicer. <laughs> I would say she's also a little guarded. She's she's suspicious. Yeah, she's much more suspicious. And she and Jane are like best friends and she's always looking out for her. Oh, nice. The third daughter is Mary. Mary is the plainest one. And she's kind of boring. And all she cares about is like studying and working hard at the piano and reading like books of sermons. And she's a little bit preachy. I have always felt bad for her. <laughs> we all know a Mary. We all know a Mary. Theo. Me. The fourth daughter is Catherine or Kitty, and she is kind of silly and frivolous and doesn't have a strong personality, so she just does whatever a stronger person tells her to do. And her best friend is the youngest daughter, Lydia, who is like extremely flirtatious and very silly and cares the most about appearances, and she's her mother's favorite. Mm. They just got sillier and sillier as they kept popping them out. I mean, Mary's the least silly, but those are the five <laughs> Bennett daughters. Great. Wait, so there is a ranking of most beautiful and second most beautiful, and then after that it's sort of just a free-for-all? We know the third one is the least beautiful, but we don't really know how four and five stack up. She's the least beautiful and the most serious, mm -hmm. and she's neither parent's favorite. Right, and wow. she doesn't have a best friend among the sisters. Poor Mary. Classic middle child. <laughs> yeah, she's kind of her own little strange bird. I was so into the book, I have a book someone wrote last year called The Other Bennett Sister that is about Mary Bennett, and I finished it this morning. I was going to mention that. It's really good actually. I've read tons of like Pride and Prejudice spinoffs and for the most part they're terrible but this one's very good. All right so those are the five Bennett daughters and Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. We also have the visiting you want to call it? they're not nobility the, gang. the yeah the visiting gang. What are they called? What yeah. are they? They're gen <laughs> gentlefolk. Yeah visiting gentlefolk. <laughs> Gentry, gentry, that's what it is. <laughs> so you have these um, these five daughters. Then coming into the empty house in town and renting it, you have Charles Bingley, who's a very jolly kind of affable young man. Good looking, kind of an idiot. He's a himbo. I don't think he's an idiot. He's, he's just, an idiot. He's he's also very sunny, and he just likes to enjoy things. He likes to have fun. He's rich. Yeah, he's he rich. He has four or 5,000 pounds a year. Yeah, which, three oh, how much is that? I can so tell you. How much? Is so I I read an article and they were saying he probably makes about one hundred eighty thousand a year. Oh, okay. Okay. around one hundred eighty thousand. Plus he has a hundred thousand pounds back then set aside to purchase an estate. All right, so we have Charles Bingley. We have his two sisters, Carolyn 
And we have his other sister who doesn't get a first name. Her name is just Mrs. Hurst because she's married to a guy named Mr. Hurst. So it's two sisters. Caroline sucks. She's really, really mean. But both of his sisters are, are quite accomplished. Mr. Hurst only cares about eating food and drinking wine. Yeah, he doesn't have much of a personality. He's not that important, though. And we have Mr. Darcy. He's Mr. <laughs> Bingley's friend. He came with the gang to Netherfield, which is the house that they're all living in. Uh, Mr. Darcy's kind of like this tall, snooty, even richer gentleman. and every- He hates the poor folk. He doesn't hate the poor. <laughs> he makes about a million dollars a year just purely only as interest on investments. He also owns like a huge parcel of land and he gets all the rent that comes in as income from that. And he has like a bunch of other stuff as well. All right. So there's Darcy. Um, He's very tall, very handsome, very rich, but nobody really likes him very much because he's a jerk. He's a jerk. He doesn't like to smile. He doesn't like Very bad manners. Very. He canonically has bad manners. (laughs) Like the narrator specifically says it. (laughs) But in the extended universe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but the narrator is basically Lizzie's thoughts. Also the thoughts of everyone who met them. There are parts where it says, like, after everyone met Mr. Darcy, they agreed that he sucks because his manners are so bad. (laughs) I guess to me, this feels a little bit like an alien society, too, like we talked about with the Odyssey. Like, I don't understand what the right things to say are in this world, but it's very clear that there's, like, set rules and things that you say and Mm. things that you don't Consider me your little fish that you put in your ear. All right, so should we randomly assign one that I like and one that I hate? You can pick from having heard about them. You named like 16 people. Okay. (laughs) Jackie, give me a number. Nine. Uh, Out of four. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, no, we can do nine. One, two, three, four, five, six. And this is going to be the person I love. Seven, eight, nine. Kitty Bennett. Kitty. Oh, okay. The one who doesn't have any She's like the least distinguishing. Yeah, okay, go on. <laughs> All right, that's who I like. Okay, Rachel, you give me a number. Out of what? Out of a lot. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. Ooh, I hate Lydia Bennett. That's kind of weird. I can't imagine. Yeah, they're very similar. <laughs> they're basically interchangeable. <laughs> we'll see how this turns out. <laughs> okay. Okay, so chapter one. Mr. Bingley moves into the neighborhood. Mrs. Bennett is thrilled. She decides that he has to marry one of her five daughters. And Mr. Bennett is kind of teasing her about it throughout the whole chapter. He says, like, sure, I'm happy for her to marry any of my daughters, but I'll put in a good word for my favorite daughter, Lizzie. And Mrs. Bennett's like, okay, well, you have to go visit him so that our families can know each other. And he keeps saying, like, "Eh, no, I'm not going to visit him. So he spends the whole chapter just saying he's not going to. So Mrs. Bennett says, well, first of all, I think Jane is prettier than Lizzie and Lydia is more good natured. But regardless, you're bothering my nerves. So I'm leaving. Parents, do you talk this candidly with your significant others about your kids? Because if your mom just straight up said to your dad, like, Theo's the hot one. (laughs) Like, I know that they have these thoughts privately, but they would never say outright, Jacqueline's not as cute as Madeline, but she's a little smart. I don't think so. You think that parents are like, this one's my fave, and the other parent says, well, this one's better looking? Yeah, do they say stuff like that? I don't think so. See, none of us have kids. That's Yeah, we don't. <laughs> it's the first time it's been a problem, though. <laughs> okay, Theo, be the arbiter. I remember when I was a kid, my parents would host a party or something, and then all the kids there would want to spy on the adults. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah. Nope. They were never talking about that. So. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they don't compare their children. Definitive. <laughs> okay. So chapter two. So the next morning, Mr. Bennett's teasing his family some more, and it turns out that he had actually already visited Mr. Bingley. So he was just messing with them. Of course. Yeah. So we see Mrs. Bennett show some more favoritism towards Lydia. <laughs> Really? Lydia, of all people? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) My least favorite. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then Kitty coughs, and it bothers her mom. Uh, There's nothing wrong with a cough. (laughs) Come on. We love Kitty. So as soon as she hears that he's already visited Mr. Bingley, Mrs. Bennett is like, oh, what a hilarious joke. You have such a great father. So she's immediately, like, totally fine with it. And then Mr. Bennett says, this is too much silliness. I'm getting out of here. So uh, the family asks him to describe Mr. Bingley, and he refuses. But they have some neighbors, the Lucases, who have met Mr. Bingley, and they like him. So that's, they do hear a little bit about them. So he goes to their house, shows up to do a little visit. 
but unfortunately he can't stay to have dinner with everyone because he has to go back to London to get the rest of his party, which is the two sisters, the brother-in-law, and the friend that we described. When Mr. Darcy shows up, everyone is so excited because they think, like, he's way richer, he's taller, and he's hotter, so he's the best. And then as soon as they talk to him and realize how rude he is, everyone in town dislikes him and they say, like, how could we have ever compared him to Mr. Bingley? Mr. Bingley is the best. Go, Mr. Bingley. Yeah, so it turns very quickly. Um, so they, they go to, like, a town ball, which, uh, like quite a wide class of people were able to go to because they live in just a very small town. So they, they honestly just don't have enough rich people to have a ball only for rich people. So this is considered like not very classy. Mm. And Mr. Bingley's sisters and Mr. Darcy, they look down on the ball. Like the music's not as good. The decor is not as nice. It's just a small town ball. Exactly. Just a small town ball. <laughs> Living in a lonely ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so while they're at the ball... Mr. Bingley sees Jane and he thinks she's gorgeous and he dan- he ends up dancing with her twice, which is a huge deal, like a really big deal. All compared to her other four siblings. He doesn't dance twice with anyone else. Does he dance once with the others? Uh, yeah, out of politeness. I don't know oh. if he dances with every single one, but he dances with a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, who would want to dance with Kitty anyway? You mean Lydia? <laughs> oh, wait, Kitty's the one I like. Who would want to dance with Lydia anyway? <laughs> who wouldn't want to dance with Kitty? <laughs> that, I'll edit that in to, to say that. Okay. So while they're at the ball, Mr. Darcy refuses to dance with anyone, which is considered super rude because some women are having to sit out the dances because there are more women than men. Oh. Yeah. So it was a big deal for a man to not dance if women were sitting. So um, Mr. Bingley says like, hey, bro, what a wonderful ball. You should dance there. Look at all these beautiful women. And Mr. Darcy's like, uh, there's only one hot woman here and you're already dancing with her. Jane. And he says, well, you know, her sister is almost as beautiful. And he turns around. There's Elizabeth like sitting close by, makes eye contact and says, she's tolerable, but not handsome enough to tempt me. Wow. And for some reason he thinks she can't hear him, but of course she hears him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh later she like tells everyone that he said that and she's laughing she laughs yeah she's like can you believe this asshole said this thing how rude isn't that funny yeah what a jerk and then everyone's yeah. like wow he sucks you're lucky he he wouldn't be good to dance with anyway why does he say tolerable because he's an asshole <laughs> i don't know he's british <laughs> Oh, there's one funny thing. The mom, when they get home and tell the dad about the ball, the because mo- he didn't go, the mom's like, you know, if I could just get Jane married to wealthy Mr. Bingley and marry off all four of my other daughters to a man of equal or greater wealth, I would have nothing else to wish for. <laughs> if only I could have everything I ever wanted and everything turn out perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I should ask for nothing else. Right. And the dad's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think it's so funny how everyone in this book seems to agree and it's completely objective. Like, it's Jane, then it's Lizzie. Everyone agrees that Lizzie is not as hot as Jane. Oh, yeah. Nobody thinks anyone's as hot as Jane. But some people think, like, Lydia's better looking than Lizzie. Lydia? Yes. The mom thinks... That's impossible. <laughs> oh, the, the mom thinks that. Okay. Lydia's the favorite. Not among me. But they're all considered to be good looking. Like, everyone's like, yeah, this whole family is hot. Except Mary. Except Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mary. I know. <gasps> Wait, did you hear that? Could it be? I think that was the mystery chord. And yet... <gasps> Is it? I believe it is the mystery chord. And you know what happens when the mystery chord plays, what right? What happens? What happens when the mystery chord plays? Tell us. Tell us. A mystery unfolds. Oh. It was one of those gray weeks in February. This sort of weather that has you face down in your fourth cup of coffee and still feeling deader than my mother's dreams of me going to medical school. Crime in the city had slowed down, but I was hoping for a phone call when my junior detective ran through the door. He was a good kid, but his voice would make a crow flinch. Detective, we need your help. There's been a murder and nobody knows who did it. Who's the unlucky bastard this time? Count Marigold, the richest man in town. We've got a witness saying they saw a car mow him down in broad daylight, then just sped off. Detective, we gotta get this perp. Count Marigold, he's got no shortage of enemies around here. 
This could prove very tricky indeed. Sounds like just my sort of thing. I'll take the case. It's just one other thing, sir. Oh, yeah? Count Marigold. He was on his way to the police station when he died. We think he knew something he wanted to tell us, but he never made it there. That mystery is very interesting. Really felt like a cliffhanger to me. Surely there's more to come in the next episode. I can't possibly wait. How long is it going to be before we find out what's going on? A few days, right? Yeah, be patient. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be sweet. <laughs> anyway, back to the episode. All right. Um, so chapter four, Jane and Elizabeth come home from this town ball and they're just kind of chatting about the events and they're chatting about Bingley in particular. And Jane is, you know, being her typical modest self and saying like, oh, he was so very nice. and Like surely he didn't like me that much. Yeah. And Lizzie was like, he only danced twice with you. And you're hot. Obviously, he likes you. Yeah, obviously, because you're slightly hotter than me, and that's pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. But Lizzie says, you know what? I like him. Like, you're allowed to like him. You've liked stupider people in the past. And she's like, Lizzie, how can you say that? Yeah. So they kind of just t- chat about that, and then they are talking about then the wealth. Do I have to talk about this? This isn't that interesting. It's kind of important. So Darcy's family is old money, which you can tell from the fact that he has an estate, and his name is, it's it's Norman, like it comes from the French, just like the Bennett family name does too, which was like the previous gentry of England. The Bingleys are quite new money. They don't have an estate at all. And their father and grandfather made their money from trade. So that's why it's like kind of a big deal that the Bingley women are such snobs. Yeah. And they have designs as we'll see later. And also you'll notice that Darcy is just kind of not doing much, except he's making all of his money while GameStop and Wall Street vets just kind of do it for him. Ugh. So yeah. Bingley and Darcy are good friends, um, but Darcy is cleverer than Bingley, and he's also more haughty, more reserved, and his manners, although, like, coldly polite, are not actually very warm or inviting. No, and he's really only polite to people he thinks are, like, his equals or betters, it seems. And he even thinks of Jane that she's pretty, but she smiles too much, so nothing is really good enough for him. He's Mm -hmm. the only one who ever criticizes Jane at all. (laughs) Even the Bingley women can't (laughs) criticize Jane. Just an intolerable amount of smiling. Yeah, it's too much smiling. You can't tolerate it. Although Bingley was sure of being liked wherever he appeared, Darcy was continually giving offense. Even though they seem like opposites, they both admire the other one's good qualities. Yeah, and they bicker like little good friends sometimes. It's cute. So, chapter five, we're introducing another family who lives within a short walk of where the Bennets live. The Bennets live in an estate called Longbourn. Yes. And shortly down the road is a family called the Lucases. And the Lucases are kind of friends of the family, and their daughter, Charlotte, is, like, best friends with Elizabeth or Lizzie. Although she's very old. She is 26 or 27 and unmarried. Unbelievable. (laughs) Ancient. She's also pretty plain. And so Charlotte comes over to go see the Bennets, and they're kind of just chatting about the ball, and Mrs. Bennet says... Well, Charlotte, you were Mr. Bingley's first choice. And she was like, well, yeah, but he seemed to really like the second person he danced with. He was only being polite. He was only being polite. He danced with everybody once, but he danced with Jane twice. And Mrs. Bennett is like, oh, you mean that? The way he danced with her twice? Yeah, it did seem like he really, really admired her. Um, I heard some people saying that, that they all thought he was in love with her. (laughs) I'm glad you agree. Yeah, but, you know, I never thought about it till this moment. Thanks for reminding me, Charlotte. Wow, (laughs) that's just never occurred to me. Um, They talk about how Elizabeth had overheard Mr. Darcy saying that she was just tolerable and everybody's saying how rude that is. Charlotte tries to make excuses. She's like, oh, well, you know, maybe he has a reason to be proud. People are generally kind of doing this throughout the book like someone will say mr darcy did something really rude and they're like well you know maybe we just don't know his true feelings he's rich. <laughs> well, you know, maybe he's rich um <laughs> um so jane says well you know I, he just doesn't really speak unless he's with his intimate friends he's he's shy or whatever and everyone's like well yeah. if he was that shy he wouldn't have said that rude thing about elizabeth yeah and lizzie says i could easily forgive his pride if he had not mortified mine and then mary poor little mary pipes up and she says by all i have ever read i'm convinced that pride is very common indeed that human nature is particularly prone to it and that there are very few of us who do not cherish a feeling of self-complacency jackie loves mary she's a huge mary stan i'm a huge mary stan i was picturing the other characters being like oh wait mary's here (laughs) they're like oh mary's here she's gonna say some dumb thing again that's really how everyone (laughs) reacts they're like oh yeah another dumb quote from mary (laughs) put it on the pile (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
Like, I feel like Mary must be Jane Austen's logical brain, her actual philosophical thought speaking, and Lizzie is Jane Austen's sassy person speaking. Whoa, so you're saying Jane Austen divided into five different (laughs) characters? Part of her is the beloved Kitty, and another part is the hated Lydia. Hated Lydia, yeah. This is amazing. No, it's... I'm loving this book now. (laughs) Wow, okay, fine. And then, so the whole the whole Lucas family is there, actually. So Charlotte and her mother, and like her little brothers and stuff. Some anonymous little small cratchits. Some anonymous, <laughs> some yeah, little Lucas's cratchits. And so Mary says this very like intellectual sounding thing, and one of the little Lucas boys says, "Well, if I were as rich as he was, it wouldn't matter how proud I was. I would just keep a pack of foxhounds and drink a bottle of wine every day. <laughs> and let me tell you, as the owner of a foxhound, you don't want a pack of them. If you're rich, you can pay you don't someone else. You don't even want one. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Well, Jackie, you're not also rich in addition. You're right. Yeah. It all feels a little different when you're rich. Yeah, you're right. If I had a million dollars a year, my one foxhound might be fine, okay, manageable, but. tolerable. <laughs> Not handsome enough to tempt you, though. Oh, he's so cute, but he's very bad. Mrs. Bennett gets in a big argument with this small child where he says he would drink a bottle of wine a day. And she's like, if I saw you with a bottle of wine, I would take it away. And the narrator says they argued about that until the family left. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett and this little boy. <laughs> yeah, about whether she'd take his wine away if he were really rich. Um, all right. So chapter six, then the ladies of Longbourn go to visit those at Netherfield. So the ladies of Longbourn, remember, are the Bennett sisters, and they're going to visit the ladies at Netherfield who is, um, who are Caroline and Mrs. Hirsch, Charles's two sisters that he brought with him. So they love Jane. They are not a huge fan of Lizzie. They like Lizzie okay, and they dislike everyone else. I would say they're not a huge fan of Lizzie. I mean, yeah, they, they like her okay. They're they're civil with her. I have no opinion about Lizzie. <laughs> you only care about two characters in the whole book. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's very clear that their brother, Charles Bingley, is very, very in love with Jane, mm-hmm. or at least as much as you can be after meeting one time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but um, Lizzie and Charlotte are kind of chatting and saying that, you know, it's it's obvious that Bingley really likes Jane, and it's obvious that Jane likes Bingley, but it's only really obvious to them. And so yeah, she's reserved. Charlotte says... Yeah, she's reserved, she's modest. Charlotte says, you know, I think maybe that they should, um, women should show more affection than they actually feel if they want a man to stay interested. But Lizzie says that, you know, Jane wants to take her time with Bingley and get to know him. And She's not using any stratagems, she's just being herself. She's just being herself, but Charlotte's like, you know what? You had better go ahead and just let him know because otherwise he's going to think that she doesn't like him and he might move on. We should probably talk about this. This is part of the like the themes of the book are how can you know yourself enough Pride. to make these big life choices? And Charlotte says that because people constantly change all the time anyway, Jane should just go ahead and marry Mr. Bingley right now because you actually have a better chance of a happy marriage if you don't know the person very well ahead of time. Which goes along really well with the original title of the book, First Impressions. First Impressions, yes. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, but Lizzie is like, they've only known each other for four days and Charlotte's like, well, you can think about how a lot can happen in four days and four evenings. And I mean, that's kind of true. Yeah. They They are talking about that, and all of a sudden, Darcy's there, as he always is, hanging out with everybody. (laughs) Looming. (laughs) Yeah, he looms, really. He's looming. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Darcy, um, even though at first he had said that Elizabeth was scarcely tolerable, now he looks at her and he thinks, huh, she got good eyes. Likes her eyes. I'd like to get to know those big brown eyes a little better. Mm -hmm. Lizzie notices this and goes up to them and is like, hey, Mr. Darcy, you know, you were just listening to me talking to these other people. Like, don't you think I expressed myself really well? Because he's been staring at her at this ball all night long. Like, he keeps looking at her. And the narrator says, like, Lizzie thought to herself, like, he's looking at me a lot. Is he interested in me? No. Of course he's not interested in me. He must be staring at me because I made him more upset than anyone else at the ball. Wow. It's weird to think the fact that he would be looking at me because he dislikes me, but I can't think of any other. That's the only yeah. possible reason this guy's looming so much. Yeah. yeah, He stared at the other four daughters, but he stared at Elizabeth twice. <laughs> what an honor. The other thing that's very funny is that the narration also says, like, it says that Mr. Darcy, as soon as he told all of his friends As soon as he told everyone he didn't think she was hot, all of a sudden he was like, wait a second, those are some fine eyes she's got there. Yeah. And then kept seeing some other things he liked. Mm. I didn't expect that his (laughs) interest was going to become plain on page 15. I thought this was going to take a long time. 
Do you want me to tell you my great story about Pride and Prejudice? Yeah. Okay. Or should I save it for later? I guess I'll do it. Is this the perfect time? It could be now. It could be now or it could be later. Well, Theo can choose when it is with his whims. Yeah. I am all powerful. Tell it now. (laughs) Okay. So when I was in like... I think it was fifth grade. My family went to Costa Rica and I ran out of books. Like I had not brought enough with me. So we went to this uh, little small city. They had one used bookstore and the used bookstore had two books in English. One of them was this like adult fantasy book about a woman with a unicorn horn called Acorna's Wish, which we didn't buy. And I don't know why I've always had it in my head. The other one was a collected works of Jane Austen and it had, it was like book one. So it only had three books in it. My mom said, oh, Pride and Prejudice. Like I've, I've read that before. I think you would like that. So I started reading it and I was like, uh, I don't know. It's okay. I'd never heard of it before at all. Never heard a word. So I'm reading it, I'm reading it, and then we get to the part in the book towards the end where Mr. Darcy proposes to Elizabeth. (gasps) I know, spoilers. I think I'm the only person on earth who read the book and was shocked when that happened. I gasped just (laughs) like she did. I could not believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, I thought he hated her. (laughs) So you just didn't notice, again, starting on page 15, that he's like, fine eyes. Well, whenever Elizabeth's like, he must be looking at me because he hates me, I was like, yeah, that must be why. (laughs) What a jerk. That's such a 12-year-old girl thing to think. Well, because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't interested in romance myself, so I wasn't looking for it in the book. And also, I had no knowledge of this whatsoever. So I just, I could not believe that he was into her. I was so taken aback. I had, I like closed the book and I was like, Mom, did you know Mr. Darcy's into Elizabeth? (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the book. It's just a weird question if your mom has read the book already, no matter what. And she's like, I think I said, like, weren't you shocked or something like that? (laughs) But I just couldn't believe it. I think I even told my sister about it. I was like, you will not believe this. The main character in this book is in love with the other main character. And then your mom turned to your dad and said, our daughter, Rachel, is probably the stupidest of the four. Yeah, she's the dumbest one. (laughs) (laughs) But she's my favorite. (laughs) But I just think that was very funny. I think that I'm like one of the only people alive on earth who has ever had that experience of being shocked when Mr. Darcy proposed. Like, I truly think there may be no one else alive on earth who felt that way. (laughs) But so when I was rereading it this time, I was kind of keeping my eyes out to, for all these little hints and, and thinking, like, how did I not know? <laughs> uh, all right, then we should keep a count of all the clues. Of all the clues. Yeah. That he likes her? <laughs> like, all the clues where it says, like, he tries not to look at her, but he can't. And, like, <laughs> he thinks about her all the time, but he shouldn't. Yeah, something like that. Well, I have read most of this book before. I didn't finish it. Um, but Ooh, girl. I watched the movie for the first time in high school my senior year. And I think we watched it as part of a class. So, like, the first day we watched the first half and my other friends who had seen it, I was like, you must tell me what happens. Do they get together? <laughs> and they were like, we won't tell you. <laughs> so you did know he liked her, though. I mean, I guess I thought that was a possibility. But clearly I was 17 and I also was like, what's going to happen? <laughs> Hi listeners, this is Theo. I'm the producer of this podcast. It's called Fire the Cannon. If you find this podcast tolerable and handsome enough to tempt you, make sure to tell your friends, family, and all the visiting gentlefolk about it. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us out. The algorithms love those ratings and reviews. And also, don't forget to subscribe and follow it on your podcatcher of choice. All right, back to the episode. So Mr. Darcy and Elizabeth have like this great banter every time that they get together and it's her being polite and him being polite, but her kind of like teasing him and him kind of being like, you're kind of mean to me. And she's like, ha ha. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The narrator keeps saying like, but he still liked it. Yeah. (laughs) He liked it the most. Um, They're, you know, doing this dance and having this banter and it's very quick witted, all of it. And she says to Mr. Darcy, well, you know, there's this old saying that they they used to say, and it's keep your breath to cool your porridge. And she says, well, I'm going to keep my breath so that I can sing. So she sits down and she sings a couple songs at the piano, which is what... Her friend makes her. She doesn't want to. Her friend Charlotte tells her to do that. And that's kind of what young ladies do at balls and parties and whatnot. They just show off. Does it say what songs she sings? Mm Mm-mm. Yeah, it's Old MacDonald and Toxic by Britney Spears. <laughs> Great choices. It says her performance was pleasing, though by no means capital. Yeah. Na, na, 
So then Mary <laughs> sits down. <laughs> Mary loves performing on the piano and she's like not good at it, but she doesn't really seem to have any self-awareness. She plays perfectly, but she doesn't seem to enjoy herself. So there's no joy to be had from listening to her. There's no emotion. She has no emotion. Yes. She's a perfect technician. Yes. No, no, no. But her singing, like her singing. Her singing is bad. Her playing is great. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The point is that nobody likes to hear her playing, but she's always playing. <laughs> That's so sad. The youngest Bennett daughters are like dancing with officers to Mary's playing. And Theo hates one of them and he loves the other one. And Mr. Darcy is like looking at them and he's like, he doesn't like that scene at all. Like, ugh, look at those young girls chasing those officers, how vain and silly they are. Look at that other girl singing badly in public. Sir William Lucas, Charlotte Lucas's dad comes up and he's like, oh, why why won't you dance with anybody, Elizabeth? Oh, Darcy. Why don't you dance with her? And he's like, oh. Yeah, sure. He asks her to dance and Elizabeth says no. She says like, the only reason you would possibly ask me to dance is so that you can mock me when I say yes. So I'm not going to dance with you. And then she walks away and the narrator says like, Mr. Darcy loved it. Loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he did. (laughs) Yeah, it says her resistance had not injured her with the gentleman and he was thinking of her with some complacency when thus accosted by Miss Bingley. So Carolyn Bingley comes up and says, uh, I can guess who you're into. And he's like, no, you can't. (laughs) So she says to him, well, all these people here are so annoying. They're so insipid. They're so poor. They have bad taste. (laughs) I don't know. She thinks they're like trashy or something like that. Provincials. Provincials. Yeah. They have mossy teeth. Potatoes in their mouths. <laughs> Look at all these mossy face mashed potato faces. He says, on the contrary, that's not what I'm thinking of at all. He says, I'm thinking about a pair of fine eyes in the face of a pretty woman. And so she looks at him and she's like, you are talking about Miss Elizabeth Bennett. And he's all just like, yeah, whatever. It's not a big deal. But she teases him and she kind of just does this then throughout the next several chapters. It's like, oh, are you thinking about some fine eyes? Yeah, gonna marry Elizabeth Bennett. Yeah, if you like her so much, you should just marry her, and then you can have so much fun with all of her terrible relatives. Yeah, she just does that a lot. So other people kind of think they're terrible? She likes Jane. Well, the only people who think that are the other very rich people. The rich people like Jane, and... They're okay with Lizzie, until now. Until now, because Miss Bingley is kind of into Darcy, and now Darcy is into Lizzie. Okay. He thinks her eyes are fine. Let's not get you know (laughs) but to carolyn like that's not okay that's a big deal yeah because that's a lot for him to say Uh, apparently so chapter seven we find out that some officers are about to be stationed in the nearby town so lydia and kitty start walking over there constantly if there's one thing these young girls like it's a man in uniform it's a man in a red coat mr bennett thinks they're ridiculous so while all this is happening jane specifically gets an invite to go to netherfield and she says okay let me take the carriage the mom says no 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 no, looks like it's going to rain, so you have to take a horse. And everyone says, what? What? Let her ride in the carriage. And the mom says, no, no, no. I say what to that? At least a horse is human. So Jane rides over, and while she's riding, a big storm comes. And the mom (laughs) is like, perfect, just like I planned. (laughs) If it's raining, they can't send her home tonight. But even better, Jane gets very sick. So she has to stay there for, (laughs) she stays for over a week, I think. No, almost a week. She ends up having to stay for like six days. But so they get a little note from her the next morning that says like, oh, I'm sick, guys. Don't worry about me. And Lizzie says, oh, that must mean she's really, really sick. I have to go check on her. Can I please take a horse? And the mom says, no, you're going to get in the way of Bingley. So Lizzie says, fine, I'll just walk over. And she walks over early in the morning. It's very muddy. So when she shows up, she's got like mud all over her dress and her hair is all over the place. She's a little flushed. Her fine eyes are sparkling up a storm. And unfortunately, Miss Bingley has to invite Lizzie to stay at their house until Jane gets better. And the reason she goes is because Jane never complains. So if she's saying that she's sick, then it must be really serious. So Lizzie's staying at the house for a while, and she says that as soon as Jane's not around, the sisters basically forget about her immediately. Like, they don't really care about her, but she can tell that Bingley actually does. So she she likes him even more. And um, after dinner, she goes to hang out with Jane, and as soon as she leaves... The two Bingley sisters start shit-talking her, like, so much shit-talking throughout the next few chapters. They talk about how terrible she looked that morning, and Bingley says, actually, I thought she looked very nice, and that clearly she loves her sister. And even Mr. Darcy says that her eyes were brightened by the exercise. 
Wow. Mm. Two eye compliments. Yes. And then the whole family says, like, well, or everyone except Bingley says the Bennets have no class at all. And then Bingley argues with them a little bit. So that's nice. He's showing a tiny bit of a spine. Later on, the whole crew's hanging out again, and Lizzie decides to read a book instead of playing cards. Mr. Darcy's also reading a book. He is reading a book. We find out that Mr. Bingley is a himbo, and he doesn't read books very much, but that Mr. Darcy has a huge library at his house and is constantly buying books, and he loves to read. Well, so he's reading, and she's Miss Bingley is kind of making fun of Lizzie, saying, like, oh, Lizzie just loves reading. She doesn't love to do anything else. All she does is read, read, read. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, she's only seen her read a book one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Lizzie's like, that's not true. I take pleasure in many things. And then seeing that Mr. Darcy is reading, Miss Bingley goes, wow, what a delightful library you have, Mr. Darcy. Mm -hmm. If I have a house myself, I'm going to fill it with books and I'll be miserable if I don't have any books. And I'm just going to love books all the time. And she's kind of trying to yeah. endear herself to him. Two-faced. Very. It's very transparent. It's obvious. Yeah. So they have an argument at one point about women having accomplishments because Mr. Bingley says like, oh, wow, every young woman, she can do this. She can do this. They can all do these things. Every young woman's accomplished. And Mr. Darcy and the sisters are like, no, you have to be able to do all these amazing things or else we couldn't possibly consider you to be accomplished. And Elizabeth says, like, your standards are too high. If, if that's what you think it takes to be accomplished, I can't believe that you know any accomplished people. And then she leaves and uh, Caroline shit talks her again and says, like, typical. She must be one of those women who's always putting other women down to look better in front of men. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> which is what she's doing right then. But Mr. Darcy shuts it down, which that was good, too. I just thought that was funny that you know, this kind of idea that we have now, you have this whole idea of like, I'm not like other girls, like other girls are full of drama and I just want to- Pick me. Yeah. Caroline's a pick me. Mm-hmm. A what? A woman who says to men, pick me, pick me. I'm just like one of the guys. I'm not going to complain when you say sexist things and watch football all day. Because I'm better. Yeah. I'm cool. It's just ironic of her. We've all been through that phase before, right? Where we're just like, oh, other girls are kind of like just frivolous and I'm not. Theo, have you been through that phase? I don't know. Is there a thing that's a not like other boys phase for men? I mean, yeah, like it was, isn't the line like girls just don't like nice guys or something, right? <laughs> girls always go for the jerks. Jerks. I'm a nice boy. Yeah. I'm a nice boy. <laughs> With some nice dreams. See these ice cubes? See these ice creams? What? Jackie is holding up ice cubes and ice cream. Are you quoting something? No. Nope. Nobody gets it? All right. What is that? Is that from Fast Car? No. <laughs> it's from Drop It Like It's Hot. Oh, I guess I've never really listened to the lyrics. I'm a nice dude with some nice dreams. See these ice cubes? See these ice creams? I mean, it's believable that those are the lyrics. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. Chapter nine. Okay. Mrs. Bennett comes over to netherfield and she brings kitty and lydia with her and she tells mr bingley oh my gosh jane is so ill she certainly cannot come to our house like she, she has to keep staying with you and um he's like yeah sure that sounds fine with me no problem and later on he has a conversation with lizzie where he says like oh you know if i ever decided i wanted to leave netherfield i would leave right away i'd be gone in five minutes and lizzie's like oh yes that's exactly what i would guess based on what i know of your personality at one point everyone's arguing with mr darcy about like how varied the company is out in the countryside and mrs bennett kind of gets into it with him a little bit like maybe a little too much bingley says when he's in town he never wants to leave when he's in the country he never wants to leave he's a town mouse and a country mouse <laughs> <laughs> mrs bennett just like keeps complimenting mr bingley and being rude to mr darcy <laughs> elizabeth and mr darcy have an argument about love and poetry where he says he always thought that poetry was the food of love but elizabeth says well if you're already deeply in love then sure poetry can help out but if you're like just starting to fall in love with someone and they write you a poem you're gonna fall out of love right away <laughs> yeah there's no better way to get someone to run away from love than to write them a poem yeah that's that's what she says <laughs> Okay, I think that's probably enough for today's episode. Uh, why don't we save the rest for next time? But Dad, I want it all right now. Oh, man. <laughs> Come on. Well, life isn't <laughs> fair sometimes. <laughs> Hey everyone, if you want to get in contact with us, uh, send us a valentine maybe. Um, we have a Facebook page for announcements and a Facebook group for discussion. 
both at Fire the Cannon Podcast on Facebook. And then we also have an Instagram and a Twitter at Fire the Cannon Pod and a Gmail, Fire the Cannon Podcast at gmail.com, a Patreon, patreon.com slash Fire the Cannon, even a website, www.firethecannonpod.com. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be a dot com. Yeah, no, that's what he sent me. He said he bought that domain. What? Steven, he said he bought it. Why is he being so supportive? Maybe he's in love with one of us. <laughs> this is suspicious. This is weird. I know. <laughs> it's like he likes one of us or something. It seems like he supports this podcast, but not my podcast with Joseph. So by process of elimination, I know it's It not seems like it might not be, be one of us. he's in love with. Me and Jackie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we were both his roommates. Impossible to tell. Impossible. Maybe more information will come out as we go through our Pride and Prejudice episodes, everyone. So if you want to know who... <laughs> My boyfriend is in love with. Stay tuned. <laughs> is it beneficence? Because I feel like a thing that trolls do is they'll buy domain names. So maybe he wants oh, to like shoot. have an. <laughs> He's squeezing us. <laughs> we have to buy it. Oh my gosh. We have to buy it from oh, gosh. Steven. That will be terrible. I can't afford that. He's gonna make firethecannonpod.com and it's gonna have just like unflattering pictures of all of us and that video of Theo cursing that he doesn't want to get out. Oh no. Yeah. Oh gosh, why did you mention that? Yeah, why? You don't have to make it public. You're the producer. She always lords that over me. <laughs> that you have power. I lord that over you. <laughs> You're always lording these things that I have over yeah. me. I'm just mad with Theo's power. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> if you like what you hear and you want to toss a little money our way, you should check out our Patreon. We have various tiers with different rewards, and in fact, we have our first bit of bonus content up. We watch the Wishbone episode of The Odyssey and do some commentary. Theo thinks it's our best episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard on this special Valentine's episode. <laughs> Almost Valentine's. <laughs> this time when we say thanks now, it's for becoming a patron on Patreon. <laughs> so here we go. A hearty... Thanks, Thanks, Nell. Nell. Thanks, Nell.